Guys, I love you. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. I love being in the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I look forward to this hour of worship. I love, I mean, I don't know about you, but my weeks are full, and there are many times in my day that I'm not thinking about worship. Anybody else ever that, have, that, have that experience, all right? There are many times that I'm thinking about the task at hand, and I love it when we just consecrate a time as a church family to come and just be worshipers of God. If there is an empty seat next to you, Christina mentioned that we are going to be praying over the next several weeks over these empty seats because Jesus said to the disciples, he said, listen, when you throw a party to honor the king, so when you throw a party to honor the king, he said, uh, go out and invite everybody. Go out and invite the rich. Go out and, and if they don't want to come, then go out and invite the, the, the blind, the lame, the halt, the sick. And he said, and compel. Everyone say compel. He actually used that word compel. Drag them in. And then he said, my house will be full. He actually used that, that phrase, my, that my house may be full. God wants a lot of people saved. And there's a lot of people in this city that don't know Jesus yet. And uh, we compel them to come. And so I want to encourage you to be part of what God's going to do supernaturally in this church. First time here today, we have an incredible book. At the end of the service, you can turn this in. Uh, back at the back there, we have a book called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And uh, you'll want to make yourself available to that. Our ushers this morning should have a little handout. Everyone here have some kind of handout looks like this today. If you don't have a handout, make sure you get one of those because we have lots of scripture verses this morning to go through. And uh, we are collecting our baby bottles. If you remember, Andrea from the Crisis Pregnancy Center right here in Sanford was here w- with us about a month ago. And she shared her testimony. She shared what God is doing in our city. And so we've been collecting baby bottles. And uh, I couldn't get enough baby bottles because I brought a whole change jar. And uh, there's a lot of change in there. And so I'm giving all that. Um, I don't know how much is in there, but there's a pretty good amount in there, I'm sure. So we have one more week to collect those. And I encourage you to bring those back. If you don't have a baby bottle, you can just write a check for $1 million. I mean, just write a check. And uh, it would be a great blessing to them. Make it out to City Church. We're going to give her one check next week. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. The first one is found in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're going to look at verse number 26. John chapter 14. Uh, these chapters, John 14, 15, 16, are some of my favorite chapters in all the Bible because they're the words of our Savior to His disciples. And it's just about relationship. It's about communion and fellowship with God and the result of having a relationship with God. And the second passage I want us to look at this morning is Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 17 through 19. But I want us to stand together this morning for the reading of God's Word as we read John chapter 14, verse number 26. John chapter 14, verse number 26. And the Bible says, um, John 14, 26. But the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Everyone say, teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. The role and the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit is to be our teacher. The word Holy Spirit or the word spirit there is, in the Greek, is parakletos. And it means one who is called to come alongside. He comes alongside of us to be our comforter, to be our counselor to be our instructor, to be our teacher. So the Holy Spirit has been given by the Father. He's been in the name of Jesus. And He will teach us all things and remind us of everything 
that Jesus said. Now I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And I want, you to, I want you to see Paul's prayer. Paul was praying for the church of Ephesus. The church at Ephesus had a, a mighty revival. You can read in the book of Acts how the church of Ephesus started. The church of Ephesus started because a couple of guys who were just radical for the presence of Jesus because they had a real life encounter with him started preaching a resurrected Jesus. And when they started preaching a resurrected Jesus, miracles happened. Devils are cast out. Addictions were broken. Lives were changed. I mean, radical things were happening, and it really was confronting the culture of that day. And by the time Paul writes these, these words to the church at Ephesus, there's over 25,000 believers that gathered in this city to worship Jesus every Sabbath. It was a, one of the great moves of God. It was a direct confrontation with the culture of that generation, and the gospel won. Everyone said amen? And so Paul writes these words to the church of Ephesus, and he says this to them. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, and revelation. Revelation, it's divine knowledge that God imparts to you. Revelation is a divine impartation of God to a person. God will give you the spirit of wisdom, the ability to act on that revelation, so that you may know Him better. Verse number 18, and I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you were called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And it is incomparably great power for us who believe the power is the same as the mighty strength. Father, we thank you this morning that you want to enlighten our eyes. You want to open our eyes. You want us to have the ability to see the work that you are doing in our lives, in our hearts, and in this world. We thank you today that there is a work of your spirit, not only in this church, but in churches all over the city, not only in this city and community, but around the globe. And Father, we thank you for that. We pray this morning for these families that have experienced the devastation of this tornado the last couple of days in Kentucky and Ohio and Georgia and Indiana. Lord, as a church family, we come into an agreement. We've heard of great miracles and great testimonies of protection, but we've also seen the great agony of death. And Lord, I know that the churches in this community are rising up. I know that there are first responder ministries like Convoy of Hope and many others that have already been sent into these communities to come alongside. And we partner with them today in our prayers and our faith and our generosity. And God, we ask right now that your grace, I pray for that little 20-month-old baby that was literally caught up in a tornado, Lord, and thrown over 20 miles and lays in a hospital bed today still alive. I pray for resurrection life, Lord, as a sign that you are a God who truly can protect. You're a sign that truly cares about the innocent. We come into an agreement today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Last week, we talked about six ways that the Word of God changes us. Six ways that God's Word changes our life. And I, I mean, for me, it was just the whole week I was meditating and thinking on that power of the Scriptures. And we came together in our small group on Friday night, and we just had an incredible time as we studied the Word of God together. And we focused on one verse, Micah 6, 8. And God just began to really speak to our hearts about justice and mercy and what it truly was to be a person of justice and a person who would love mercy and walk humbly with our God. And this morning as we go through our text, as we look at 
what God wants us to see. Our, our theme this morning is illumination. Everyone say illumination. My, my title of my message this morning is being able to see what God wants me to see. Seeing what God wants me to see. And we're going to talk about this biblical concept called illumination. Uh, I have a big idea here. The whole concept of illumination is to allow the Holy Spirit to show me the meaning of God's Word and how it applies to my life. To allow the Holy Spirit to show me the meaning of God's Word and how it applies to my life. Now in Scripture, uh, in the concept of of studying Scripture and interpreting Scripture, there's, there's what they call hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the science of studying the Bible. It's literally breaking down what the Bible actually meant to the people that it was written to. And then how we apply it in our generation today. This concept of illumination is so important because so many times people will open this book. and We've all had this experience. We've maybe read a chapter or we read a couple of verses and we had no idea what it meant. Anybody ever had that experience before? Come on. You've read something in the Bible. You were reading and you're like, and maybe your mind was distracted. You were, you were focused on other things. Man, I don't know about you, but there have been times when I've read whole portions of Scripture, and I couldn't even tell you what I just read. And then if I was reading it in a translation like the King James that I really have a hard time understanding, I might even have a more difficult time explaining what it actually said. Because what happens in our life is our hearts must be enlightened. We must have what the Bible calls enlightenment or biblical illumination to be able to understand what God is really saying in the Scriptures. Now, there's a lot of people out there that have tried to read the Bible in the past and they got literally nothing out of it. Nothing out of it. Paul the Apostle told the church at Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, spiritual things must be received by spiritual people. But the unbeliever or the natural man or the carnal man can read the Scriptures and they mean nothing. As a matter of fact, there are people who study the Scriptures to try to prove that the Scriptures are wrong. There are people who know the Bible better than you that don't believe. And what's happened in their life is that the Scriptures have never been illuminated. The Holy Spirit has never revealed to them the truth and the power of the person behind the Scriptures whose name is Jesus. We're going to talk about illumination this morning. We're going to talk about what it means in our life. Maybe you've had, you know, this kind of happen in your life. You were reading a scripture. Maybe it's a scripture that you've read a lot of times before. And something just stuck out at you. Maybe you were reading something and you read this one verse and it just like became alive. It happened in our group on Friday night when we read Micah 6, 8. And Micah talked about loving justice and uh, about about doing justly and loving mercy and walking humbly with our God. And as we studied that verse, I mean, everyone in the room, God was just beginning to reveal stuff about what it was to be a person of justice and what it was to be a person who loved mercy. And it was just a time of illumination. The Holy Spirit was illuminating the truth of that scripture. So the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has been given to us to reveal to us who Jesus is. And not only who Jesus is, but how we can become his followers and live the kind of life he's created and called us to live. And when that begins to happen, when the scriptures become illuminated in our life, they become the standard by which we seek to live. They become the revelation that we begin to live our life by. I watched this interview with uh, Pearson uh, Morgan, I think his name is, Pierce Morgan. 
and he's an interviewer on CNN, and he always interviews famous people. And he was interviewing this young actor by the name of Kirk Cameron recently. And they were talking about the issue of homosexuality. And, and Kirk was explaining, because he'd asked him, he said, well, what if your, one of your six children came to you and said, I was a homosexual? And Kirk said, well, and he said, well, I would have a heart-to-heart talk with him. And I would talk about, about the issues of life and what he's grappling with. And just because we have an urge and just because we have a feeling to do something doesn't mean we have to act on that. And he began to talk to him. And then Pierce just said, well, I just think that's crazy. He said, if one of my children came to me and said, I was a homosexual, I would think that's great as long as you're happy. And Kirk began to talk to him about the standard by which they base their life on. See, Kirk has had illumination take place concerning the scriptures. He's had an illumination concerning what God's word says, not just about homosexuality. That's just a hot topic. I mean, but the the Bible describes anything that we do in rebellion and without faith as an act of sin. And so so the, the, the world, the carnal mind, wants to separate illumination and truth and pigeonhole it into these hot topics that don't seem to be popular in our generation today. The Holy Spirit has been given by God to illuminate to you the truth of Scriptures. He's actually called the Spirit of Truth. Revelation, or this concept of revelation in the Bible, is actually what we would call a rhema. The Word of God becomes alive. It becomes real. As a matter of fact, last week we used that passage in Hebrews chapter 4, where it says the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the ability to divide between bone and marrow, between thought and intent. What is that? That is illumination. The Holy Spirit revealing to you the truth of God's Word. The Holy Spirit is here to be your helper. And He wants to give you a rhema. Maybe the issue in your life is a constant struggle of money. Well, when you read the Scriptures and you begin to see what God says about money, you realize that God has a plan for you. The reason we're showing these Dave Ramsey videos over the next eight weeks is because Dave Ramsey, in a practical way, helps you break down how to manage your money in a biblical manner. And today he was talking about savings. And I love it. The Bible says that a wise man should save. But you know what else the wise man says? The Bible says that a wise man should give all that he can give. And the Bible also says that a wise man should make as much money that he should make. And a a wise man should save. And so when we look through the scriptures, the Bible gives us a pattern. The Bible gives us a pattern. I had a phone call from a friend of mine this week and uh, really having a great challenge in the finances of his life. And he's overextended. Uh, He finds on a weekly basis that he has more month than money. Anybody ever have that experience before? And and I I was praying with him this week. And, you know, everyone's, his struggles are different. He has more employees. He has bigger challenges because he has bigger numbers. And I said, well, you know, really, it was the same faith. You were able to pay your bills when your bills were $1,000 a week than when they are $20,000 a week, or whatever your number is. And when I began to think about what he had done in his life, some of the choices that he had made, he, he had lived on other people's money. My dad used to call it opium. He was addicted to other people's money. And when you become addicted to other people's money, whether it's American Express, American Excess, or whenever you get addicted to Visa or MasterCard or, or the Loan Shark or the Pawn Shop or whatever, uh, whatever you have to do to borrow money to start paying your bills or to live life, there's a problem in your life. And what you need is illumination. You need an illumination from the Word of God. What does God's Word say about my finances? You can take it on any area. Yesterday, the women had a 
a, a seminar on being foolproof, how to guard your heart from people who are toxic in relationships. And, and there was revelation. There was biblical revelation that was expounded, and the ladies that were there, they received it. So this morning, I want you to open your hearts this morning. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to open your hearts to receive this revelation that God wants you to receive. Because ultimately, ultimately, the end game, The end game and the end goal for every single person in this room is to know Jesus better. As a matter of fact, to know him better and better and better until the coming day, until he comes again for you and I. So what happens when God opens my eyes? I want to give us a couple of stories. I want us to look at a couple of stories in the Bible of people who had encounters with God, who had their eyes opened or received Revelation. First one is found in Genesis chapter 21. We're going to move through these fairly quickly. But this is the story of Sarah and Abraham. Sarah and Abraham. Uh, Abraham is the father of all faith. If you are a believer in Jesus today, you are a child of Abraham by the Spirit. You might not be Jewish by birth and by nationality or by blood, but you are Jewish in the sense that you are now of the seed of Abraham. Because Abraham was the father of all who believe. In Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says God called Abram out. And he said, Abram, I want to bless you. I want to do good for you. I've called you. I've chosen you to be a blessing to the nations. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply. I mean, I love it. He's like seven promises God says that he's going to do for Abraham. It's awesome. It's a great promise. And the Bible says that Abraham believed. He simply left his father. He left the country of idolatry and a pagan way of life. And he started following the living God, a God who he had no written revelation, but a God who spoke to him, the same God that speaks to you and I. 4,000 years ago, God spoke to Abram. The same God that spoke to Abram is the same God that spoke to you and said, come to me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Exact same God. God spoke to Abram. Abram believed. God said, Abram, you are going to have a child. Sometimes from the time of God's promise to the reality of that promise can be a long time long time. As a matter of fact, from the time of the promise of God until the promise was revealed was over 30 years in Abram's life. Somewhere along the line, he started to think that this might not happen. Somewhere along, at least his wife started to think that. Somewhere along the line, when he got to be around 80, 90 years of age, they had this thought, how could this possibly happen? Maybe I misheard God. Maybe my antenna wasn't in clearly. And so Sarah got a bright idea. She had a maidservant. Her name was Hagar. And Sarah had this bright idea. And she said, hey, Abram, I know what we can do. We can help God out. We can help God out with our little problem here. Yeah, God says we're going to have a child. But maybe he meant it was to come through Hagar. So Abraham said, wow, what a great idea. And Sarah handed off Hagar to Abram so that he could have sexual relations with her. That's exactly what happened. Abraham couldn't keep his pants on. He had a problem. And it started a big problem in his life because he did conceive a child through Hagar, and that child's name was Ishmael. Now, God loved Ishmael. God had a plan for Ishmael. God, even in, this is what I don't understand about God, and I don't know how this works, but even in our mistakes, even in our foolish choices, God is somehow able, if we surrender our lives to him, God is somehow able to turn that mistake into a great message and testimony of his grace. And everyone said, Amen. We all should say amen to that one. And 
They have this little child, and after a little while, Sarah becomes very frustrated, very angry, and she starts punishing her servant, Hagar. And so Hagar feels like she has no choice, that she has to leave. And she begins, she leaves on this journey with this little child by the name of Ishmael. And that's where I want to pick up this story in verse number 14. This is early the next morning. Abram took some food and skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He then sat on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Bathsheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. I mean, she's a good mom. She's a good mom. You can feel the anguish of this mother. You can feel this heart, the heart of this mother. She doesn't have the ability to provide. Here she is, a single mom. She's cast out into the street. She's actually cast out into the desert. She sets her child by a little bush. Her heart's broken. She's weeping. She's crying. But I want you to see what happens here. Then the Bible says, God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from, Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift up the boy and take him by hand, for I will make him into a great nation. I will make him. So the promise of God was to Ishmael that he would become a great nation. Ishmael is the father of the Arab nation to this day. 4,000 years later, the Arab population of this planet comes from this seed, comes from this child, Ishmael. But this is what I want you to see in verse number 19. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy something to drink. You see, God had the solution or the answer to the problem even when she couldn't see it. God had the answer or the solution to her problem even before she could see it. Here, I, you have a problem in your life. You have something in your life. It's a big problem. I mean, and we all have problems. And you just can't seem to figure out how it's going to happen. How are we going to work this out? How is this going to be fixed? How is this going to be restored? I want you to know, first of all, that God cares. God cares. This relationship should have never happened. This was not a relationship of the spirit. This is the relationship of the flesh. But God can even turn a relationship of the flesh for good if you give your heart and your life to Him. So God sees. God sees exactly where you're at today. God sees the problem in your life. God cares about you. God cared about this little boy. So God opens her eyes and gives her the ability to see even when she couldn't see. God hears this cry. He hears your cry. The Bible says that God hears the cries of the righteous. He hears the cries. God hears the cries. God has already begun to work on your behalf even before you see the answer. As a matter of fact, Paul the Apostle said it like this. Even before you ask, God has already given the answer. You see, before you even knew the problem was going to come, God began to orchestrate your life and circumstances and situations to put you in a place where the miraculous, the supernatural, the provision, His provision that only He could give by the power of His Spirit could happen. You see, that's the grace of God. God begins to arrange our life even before we know that there's a problem. God arranged her life. God sent the solution. 
God sent the answer. Next thing I want you to see is that many times God uses someone else to be part of the solution to your problem. God uses, God sent an angel. The word angel there in the Greek and the Hebrew is the concept of a messenger. Some translations actually, actually use the word for angel. They actually use the word messenger. God sent a messenger. God sent a messenger to her to give her the message. Sometimes God needs to send someone in your life who will speak to you the truth and show you the right way to go. We had moved to the city and we had looked at over 20 different locations to try to find a meeting place for City Church. We had never had a public gathering. And my wife and I had driven all over the city of Altamont Springs. I mean, we had just went every place that we could go. And I remember starting to feel really kind of discouraged. I said, God, I know you sent me here, but I mean, every door we knocked on was shut. I remember one church, because I'd heard about, about pastors going and maybe renting space from another church. And I went to a church that was in Altamont Springs, and, and there was only one car in the parking lot. It was in the middle of the day, and I went and knocked on the window of the church. And when the pastor opened the door, he kind of looked at me, and, and uh, I said, hey, I'm Eugene Smith. I'm from City Church. And I was wondering if maybe you'd be interested in renting some space so we could start our church here. He just looked at me and he said, we don't fellowship with your kind. And then he turned and shut the door. Ooh. <laughs> so when pastors come to us, we're always really kind to them. We're really nice. And I, you know, bless, bless the poor guy's heart. You know. but, but the door was shut. And all of a sudden, God sends this youth pastor from New Covenant Church in Castleberry, Florida. I didn't even know there was a Castleberry, Florida. God sends this young youth pastor, and we're having dinner with a bunch of other pastors. He says, I think I know there's this movie theater that rents the churches. God used this man to be a messenger, to open my eyes to another possibility, to another possibility. And that was exactly the door. That was the miracle that God had for us. And for the first three years of City Church, we met in the General Cinema movie theater right there in the Altamont Mall. See, that's God. That's God. God's prepared an answer. And many times God will use someone else in your life to come alongside to be part of that miracle. The second thing that I want you to see this morning is that I see the barrier or the hindrances to my progress. God gives you the ability to see the barriers or the hindrances to your ability to move forward or your progress in life. The next story, I'm going to go through this one. The guy's name is Balaam. It's found in Numbers chapter 22. We're not going to read the whole scripture here. But in Numbers chapter 22, basically, there's this prophet. There's this man who is used by God to foretell and to foretell the future for the children of Israel. And he's a mighty man of God, but he's got some character flaws. He's got some big character flaws. As a matter of fact, he really loves money and gold more than he loves God. And he's been tainted by that. So one of the enemies of Israel, recognizing that God's hand is upon the nation of Israel, that they, there's nothing that they could do to harm them, one of the, these kings comes to Balaam and says, Hey, listen, I'll give you this much gold if you prophesy bad, if you speak evil about the children of Israel. Balaam says, Let me go and seek the Lord. So he goes and seeks the Lord, and the Lord says, Get up, get, stop praying. That's a dumb prayer. I'm not going to curse Israel. I'm going to bless Israel. As a matter of fact, I'm not just going to bless them. I'm going to make them the head and not the tail. Get out of here. So he goes back to Balak with his tail between his legs and says, hey, you know, God says I can't do that. He says, well, listen, if I give you this much gold, will you do it? 
says, oh, well, let me go. Let me, let, me, let me go see if God will change his mind on this one. So he goes back again. He starts to ask God. God says, no, 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 no. Three times. Three times Balaam goes to God, and God says, just get up. Finally, the last time, God says to Balaam, all right, I want you to go. So Balaam, in his doggedness and his determination, he gets on his donkey, and he starts heading towards the children of Israel. He starts heading towards their encampment. And this is where I want to pick the story up. And I want you to, to see this this morning. It says, as he was going down the road, God sent an angel of the Lord to stand in his way to block his way. God sent an angel to block his way. Balaam's donkey suddenly saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road and, and his, with his sword drawn in hand. And the donkey bolted off the road into the field. But Balaam beat the donkey and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between the two vineyard walls. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing there, it tried to squeeze by. But it crushed Balaam's foot. It crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. Now, this is really interesting. The donkey can see the angel of the Lord, but Balaam can't see it. You know why he can't see it? Because his eyes aren't open. And every time we set out as believers to go down the wrong trail, God always has a messenger or a warning for us. And let me tell you, every time we go down the wrong road, our foot or our ankle will always get crushed. We will always end up with the limp or with the bruise. When you, I, I've seen this so many times, people will come in and they'll have a relationship with God and then stuff will happen and they'll start following the wrong path. They'll start listening to the wrong voices. And every time we do that, there's always pain involved in that. Balaam's foot was crushed. But this is what I want you to see in verse number 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed down and he fell upon his face. You see, when, when many times our plans aren't working out, we want to take it out on other people. We want to blame our boss. We don't have enough money because our boss hasn't given us a raise. We have a problem in our relationship. So many times I've counseled people. I counseled someone recently, and, and their marriage was not going very well, and I was listening to the two people, and the one person was saying, listen, you know, I've got some issues, and the other person said, I don't know why I'm here. I don't even know why I'm in this room. Not being willing to admit that they actually had a problem. Wanting to blame all their problems on their spouse. See, every time we start to do that in life, we're going down the wrong trail. We're riding on the wrong donkey. God has a messenger. But God opened Balaam's eyes. That's what God wants to do today for you. God wants to open your eyes. And when you open your eyes, like Balaam, you fall down on your face and you begin to worship him. The third thing that I want you to see, the third benefit of having your eyes open this morning is that you can see how that God is walking with you no matter what you're going through. It's in the New Testament. It's the story of the disciples. It's found in Luke chapter 24. And the Bible says that the women, it was, it was the third day after Jesus had been crucified. And Jesus had told them on the third day he would rise from the dead, but literally none of the disciples or none of the apostles really believed. But there were a couple of women, Mary Magdalene and her sister. They actually kind of believed. And the Bible says on the third day, they went down. The third day, they went down to the tomb, and there they found an empty tomb. And they went and found Peter, and they told Peter, they said, Hey, Peter, the tomb is empty. And Peter went down, and the disciples went down, and they were still wrestling with this. They were struggling with this. And 
But there were, the Bible says there were two disciples that were walking down the road. And they were talking about the events that had happened over the last couple of days. And let me tell you, the events that had happened over the last couple of days were powerful. They impacted the whole city of Jerusalem. I mean, everyone had heard. And all of a sudden, there was someone walking along the road with them. Luke chapter 24. And this person starts talking to them. And they said, hey, haven't you heard about what happened? He said, listen, what things? And they said about Jesus and Nazareth. They replied, he's a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers, they begin to tell the story. He said, in addition, some of the women amazed us. They went down to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, and they found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. They didn't still. Here's the deal. Here's guys that lived with Jesus for three years, and they were walking down the road with him, and they still didn't recognize him. Wow. Maybe today you're going through a trial or a difficulty, and you've known the way. You've known Jesus for a long time, and you still can't see Jesus. You still can't see him. How is Jesus in this? How is Jesus working in this in my life? You see, then Jesus, then the Bible says, then they, he said to them, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe. All the prophets have spoken. And did not Christ have to suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he began to explain to them about what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Then, the Bible says in verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Wow. You're going through something in life and you can't see. You can't see how Jesus is involved in it. What you need is illumination. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You need to have that confidence this morning that whatever is happening in your life, that the Holy Spirit will illuminate the truth of His Word and who He is so that you can see. See, God wants you to be able to see. God's created you with the Spirit. And when that Spirit becomes born again or recreated, you have the ability to see things that are spiritual because you are now a spiritual person. You no longer look at your problems the way that you look at your problems. You no longer look at people the way that you look at people. You see, God this morning opens our eyes to be able to see that no matter what we are going through, He is walking with us. He's walking with us. How can we prepare ourselves this morning? How can we prepare ourselves to see what God wants us to see? Well, the first step is to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, that might seem like a one of those, uh, duh, could have had a V8. Of course you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus moments. But, you know, our spirit has to be born again. Our spirit has to be born again. If you're not born again, your spirit has not been made alive. It's still dead. Jesus said that those who come to worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it has to be spirit to spirit. You remember when you were a kid? And somebody said, you're a dummy. And you said, it takes one to know one. Remember that? Okay, so it takes spirit to relate to spirit. It takes spirit to communicate with spirit. You know, when you come to Christ, the eyes of your heart 
of your spirit are opened. They're opened. I remember when I was 24 and this woman was telling me about Christ and I was an unbeliever, uh, that, that I asked her all these questions. Well, what about all the people who have never heard about Christ? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? And the very next day I came to Christ and all of that was like, oh, oh, okay. You know, and it wasn't that I got every single answer, but it was that the eyes of my heart and my mind were opened, and I just got it. I got it about Christ. I got it. And, you know, it, you may have tried to talk to um, somebody who's an unbeliever before about the spiritual things, and, do you know, sometimes it's like, you know, I mean, just don't get it. Don't get it. Because the Bible says that the devil who rules this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Without the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2.14, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. They're foolishness, just like Pastor said about Piers Morgan and, and what he said uh, with uh, Kirk Cameron. It was foolishness to Piers Morgan. It was foolishness. And he cannot understand because they're spiritually discerned. They're spiritually discerned. Paul said there's a covering over us before we come to Christ. So we can't understand the law, can't understand the Bible. Well, after we come to Christ, that covering is taken away. Our eyes are open to see biblical truths. Jesus himself said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see you cannot see, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God, right? Right. Okay, number two, ask God in faith to open my eyes. Okay, our memory verse, open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful things in your law are in your Bible. You know, when we, we read the Bible, it's the Holy Spirit who illuminates the Bible to us. How many of you were born again by faith? Yeah, did you believe you were born again? You prayed, you believed you were born again, right? By faith. We receive the Holy Spirit the same way. We receive the Holy Spirit by faith. We approach the scriptures the same way, by faith. We ask God to open our eyes to the meaning in his word, to speak to us today, and to direct us and guide us. We ask, ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. A-S-K, ask, seek, knock. Cool, huh? Isn't that cool? All right. Well, you know, he's faithful and true to his promises. You know, we don't have to worry about faith. You know, Jennifer Washington really taught me something. She teaches the, the Holy Spirit portion of our, our class. And, she, and at the very end of it, where we're going to pray with people to receive the Holy Spirit, she says, okay, we're going to put ask. We're going to tell them we ask. And I said, okay, and then we put believe, and then we put receive. She said, no, no, don't put believe in there. Just ask and receive. Because when you think, when you try too hard to believe, to have faith, you know, you don't need to. You just slide right through. You're just taking God at his promise. That's all you're doing. Look at this promise from Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. So you just approach the scriptures and you say, Lord, this is your promise. You said I'll instruct you. You said I'll, te I'll teach you. You said I'll, I'll show you the way you should go. So today, Lord, I need to hear from you. Give me a word. Instruct me. Teach me. Give me a living word for my life today. And you know what? He's good to his promise, and he'll do it. Amen.
So we have to have faith to be able to see. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. But we also have to have a heart that is clean from sin and from conflict. I know it seems sometimes simple and elementary, but there are two things that will hinder you from being able to receive revelation from God's Word. Two things. One is unconquered and unconfessed sin. If you're living a life of Christian carnality, which those two words really don't go together, but if you think you can live really any way that you want to live and still be pleasing to God and receive revelation in His favor, it's just it's not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. I mean, we don't try to list the laundry list of sins here, but sin that's unconfessed and undealt with our life is a block. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the perfect. He said, blessed are the pure. In other words, a pure heart is a repentant heart. When I sin, when I mess up, when I get angry and and my anger is over the top or I do something that I shouldn't have done or I said something that I shouldn't have said or I, I saw something or looked at something that I didn't look at, I confess it. Jesus, I confess. I confess to you. So the power this morning, this morning, is the purity of heart. Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, those that want to have a right relationship with God. And happy people, the word blessed there, literally we can say is a happy person. You know what I found about happy people? Happy people, people who are really happy, they love their family. Really happy people, they love their job. Really, really happy, people who are really happy, they love their work. Really, I mean, people who are really happy, guess what? Things just happen for them that are good. Do you know why? Because they're living life abundantly. They're living with a pure heart before God. And blessed are the pure in heart. The second thing that will keep us from being able to see the revelation is is undealt with conflict. It's unresolved conflict. A relationship that's sideways. Uh, There's someone in our life we just can't seem to really like or love. John said it like this. He said, whoever hates his brother doesn't have the love of God in him. Whoever hates his brother is walking around in darkness. This young boy this week who in Ohio killed four people. I mean, he had so much hatred. That hatred finally bubbled over and it caused him to kill someone. But there are people that have a lot of anger and a lot of unresolved conflict in their life. And they'll take it out and they'll get in a fight. And they'll accidentally hurt someone. Well, they didn't mean to do that. Or This week there was a dad. And he was at a, at a hockey game. I don't know if you read this. But he had one of those laser beam pens. And he was shining in it. And the, goal, the, the goalie of the other team. It was a high school game. True story. He was shining. He had so much unresolved conflict. So much hatred. Toward, he wanted his son to win so bad. And the fans actually went up. And they threw this guy out of the stands. He'll never do that one again, I'm sure. He had unresolved conflict. Unresolved conflicts doesn't enable us to see the way that God wants us to see. Marriages. Marriages that end up in divorce court. Let me tell you. I mean, I've walked with Christian couples. And every time a Christian couple feels like they have to get a divorce, I can tell you that they're not being able to see the truth of God's Word. I'm just telling you. I've seen it over and over and over again. So the Bible says that we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. We confess our sins. And we seek to make right with those who we have wrong. That's resolving conflict. To the best of our ability, we seek to be at peace with all people. And the last thing this morning is that we must commit in advance 
to do what God says. We must commit in advance to do what God says. When God says for us to do something, it isn't always easy. It isn't. For a lot of people, they come to the church and they hear Christians talk about tithing. They're like, you are crazy. That is nuts. That's no way. What are you talking about? Tithing 10%? That'd be crazy. Well, we we didn't write the book. We're just reporters of the book. We're just telling you what God said. And so there's an unqualified obedience. You could pick the area. Living sexually pure in a generation that's awash in sexual immorality. I mean, making choices that are difficult and hard because our flesh wants to do one thing. And we say, you know what? I'm going to obey the word of God in my life. Psalms 119 says, teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees that I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all of my heart. Give me the ability to see. I will keep your law and I will obey it with all of my heart. So we come to this point. We're reading the scriptures and we're asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate it. We learned a little principle in Friday night in our Bible study. It was called the Space Pets Principle. Everyone say Space Pet. I, I just I want to encourage you. I'm going to write this on the inside of my Bible on the inside leaf of my Bible. But this is something really powerful that will help you. If you really want to be able to see the truth of God's word when you're reading it, when you're studying it, when you're desiring to know what God has to say for your life, these are the kinds of questions that you're going to ask. The first thing you're going to ask is, God, is there any sin that I need to confess? Is there any sin that I need to confess? Is there any promise that I need to claim? Is there any promise? The promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. They're yes and amen. You need healing in your body. The promise of of God is that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, we are healed. So we proclaim, we claim the promise of God. Is there an attitude that I need to adjust? I'm reading the scriptures and I realize that I have a wrong attitude towards my boss, or I have a a wrong attitude towards my neighbor. I'm reading the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit says, you need to adjust that. You need to ask that person forgiveness. Is there a command, is there a command that I need to obey? God gives commands. They're not the ten suggestions. They're not the ten suggestions. They're the ten commands. Is there an example that I need to follow? Is there an example in your life that you need to follow? Is there a person that you need to pray for? Is there a person that you need to pray for? Is there an error that you need to avoid? Is there a truth that you need to believe? And is there something in your life that you need to give praise for? I mean, I know you didn't get all that this morning, but I want you to hear this morning. When you start to ask the right questions, when you're reading the Bible, when you start asking the right questions, the Holy Spirit will illuminate. He will begin to reveal to you what the word means and he will give you the ability and the power to live it. And that's honestly the ultimate goal of the scriptures is to give you the power to live the life that God has created you to live. The scriptures were given to make you wise unto salvation. I believe this morning the Holy Spirit is making us people of the book because the greater the revelation, the greater the impact we have not only in our lives, but the greater the impact we have in this community, the greater the impact we have in seeing the supernatural power of God demonstrated in the hearts and lives of people who will come into our sphere of influence. 
there's more revelation of God, there's more understanding of His ways, then there's more love for this city. I love my city. Well, the more we have a revelation of the people that God has created and the, what, what He's designed them for, the greater our love will be for other people. When we begin to surrender our hearts and say, God, is there something in my life that I need to adjust as I read your word? God begins to change our lives. This morning, we're going to close with this song that we sang, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want you to stand with me this morning. And this is going to be our benediction. This is going to be our close this morning. We're going to declare, we're going to ask God this morning as we leave this place, as we study his word, that he'll open our eyes to be able to see what he wants us to see. Let's sing this song together and close this morning.